0: Have you ever been betrayed? The answer is yes. Yes, you have. We all have. Some of us in big ways, some of us in small ways, some of us in similar ways. Uh, Some of us try to compartmentalize the betrayal that we've experienced in our life. Some of us try to forget it. Some of us live with the weight of it every single day. Every single day. And that's why we're doing this series entitled Finding Forgiveness. This is a journey of letting go. And it really is a journey. It's going to be over the next four weeks. And so please uh, don't just take one sermon out of the four or two out of the four or three out of the four. Listen to all four. So if you can't be here, please go back and listen. Also know that at 1230 today, everything that I'm going to, uh, the outline that I have here uh, is going to be made available on our app. You'll be able to go into resources and get it there, but you can take notes if you would like to. Um, But I really believe that the Lord is doing something. He's doing something in his people. And he's helping these people have this different kind of mark on their life. And it's a mark not of bitterness, not of resentment, but it's a mark of forgiveness that we get to give other people. As we start this series, I want to start with four points. The first one is we need to remember that God will never betray you. God will never betray you. Many times when we are betrayed in life, a lot of times we just point upwards and we blame God for it, but God never betrays us. There was a Davidic promise made, a promise to David, that then applies and is fulfilled in the Messiah, that then goes to all the Messiah's people. We see it in Psalm 89, verses uh, 33 and 34. He says, God says, "'But I will not remove my loyal love from him, "'nor be unfaithful to my promise.'" I will not break my covenant or go back on what I promised. When it comes to the topic of forgiveness and unforgiveness, when it comes to the topic of past pain and hurt and being betrayed, we need to remember that God will never betray us. Never. But Jesus is very honest with us. Jesus, toward the end of his ministry, he looks at his followers and he tells them that betrayal will increase in the last days. It will increase in the last days. Matthew 24, verse 10, Jesus says, and then in the last days, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Notice that he says, many people are gonna fall away from their faith and the result of that falling away, the result of that not living out their faith is gonna be betrayal and hate. My friends, we are living in the last days. The last days started on the day of Pentecost and they run all the way to this day that we're living right now. And Jesus wanted to give us warning that this was going to happen. Betrayal was going to be rampant and it was only going to increase. Point number three, though, is this, is that being betrayed is real. Being betrayed is real. There's a whole lot of gaslighting that goes on in the world. And if you don't know what gaslighting means, you can Google that. It was Time Magazine Word of the Year in 2022. There's a lot lot of times people say, no, 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 that really didn't happen. No, you're just blowing that out of proportion. And the truth is, being betrayed is a very real reality that we all live with. Many of us can say the same thing that the psalmist said in Psalm 41, verse nine. Even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared meals with me has turned against me. For some of you, that's your testimony. You know exactly what that feels like on a very deep and real personal level and a recent level. But the truth is being betrayed in this world is real. But point number four, please hear this, is that life is too short to let unforgiveness ruin your life. Life is too short to let unforgiveness ruin it. James 4.14 tells us, says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist uh, that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's life for us. We're here one day, we're gone the next. It flies by. Just ask anybody who's getting older, which is all of us, by the way. It flies by. It really does. And life is way too short for us to walk around living with unforgiveness because unforgiveness only hurts us. And the question is, how do we deal with it? How do we actually let go? And again, that's what we're gonna be talking about over the next four weeks. We're not gonna say everything there is to say about forgiveness. This is not gonna be one big mass counseling session, but I do want us to look at a particular person's life. And I wanna let a situation in his life speak to us over the next four weeks. His name was Joseph. We call him Joseph. If you've been following along in the Finding Forgiveness devotional uh, throughout this week, you've started reading about his life. His name means, may God add or increase. And yet most of his life did not feel that way. He was the 11th son of Jacob. He was the firstborn to his mother, Rachel. He is the grandson of Isaac and the great-grandson of Abraham. He had one brother, Benjamin, and he had 10 half-brothers. Joseph was a dreamer of dreams. He also interpreted dreams. And 13 chapters in the book of Genesis is devoted to his life, chapters 37 through 50. Here's a brief summary of Joseph's betrayal story. It starts with Joseph's 10 brothers being jealous. They were jealous because their father Jacob favored Joseph and famously gave him the coat of many colors. In their jealousy and rage, the brothers thought about killing him, but Reuben stopped them. So instead of killing him, they threw him into a cistern that was meant for water. The problem was they chose one that didn't have any water in it. But while in the pit, Joseph could hear his brothers outside they sat down and ate lunch and later admitted that they could hear his cries for help but did nothing. After thinking about this, Judah suggested that they sell Joseph and at least make a little money off of him. And Joseph was sold into slavery around the age of 17 years old. He served his slave master, Potiphar, faithfully, but then Potiphar had him put in jail when Potiphar's wife made a false accusation against him. And then while in jail, Joseph met someone, the cupbearer to Pharaoh. And the cupbearer had a problem and Joseph helped him with that problem. And the cupbearer promised to help Joseph clear his name. But when the cupbearer got out, he forgot about Joseph, leaving Joseph in prison until he was about 30 years old. Here's the summary. Joseph lived with siblings who wanted to kill him. He was physically assaulted and abused by them. He was sold like property by his own family members. He was falsely accused of things he did not do. And he was lied about by someone who he trusted and helped. Sound like betrayal to you? Some of it may even ring a bell with you. So one day, Joseph is still in prison. Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh is bothered by this dream. He can't interpret it, and nobody can for him. The cupbearer says, I know somebody who can interpret your dream for you, and I should have told you about him a long time ago. Pharaoh calls for Joseph, and Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. He says there's going to be seven years of abundance and then there's going to be seven years of famine. And what you need to do is in the seven years of abundance, you need to prepare for the years of famine. And Pharaoh told told Joseph, since God made this known to you, you're going to be in charge of this project. And Joseph was made second in command in Egypt. So the famine hits, but it not only hits Egypt, the famine hits Canaan as well. Joseph's dad, Jacob, sends his brothers, Joseph's brothers, to Egypt to get food. So the ones who betrayed Joseph and sold him into slavery into Egypt are now on their way to Egypt, and they arrive there, and they meet Joseph. They just don't know it's him. And here's the scene in Genesis 45. The scene is that Joseph is standing there with all the people who work for him, the Egyptians. Also in the room are his brothers, the very ones who brought tragedy after tragedy into his life. And in this moment, they're all standing there. Joseph could have done anything, anything he wanted to do to get revenge. Joseph, all he had to do was to give the word And they would have been executed. All he had to do was snap his fingers and they would have been put in prison just like he was because of them. Joseph is standing there with all those who work for him in Egypt. His brothers who have betrayed him from Canaan right in front of him. And in this moment when he could take all the revenge that he wanted, something happens. We read about it in Genesis 45 verses 1 and 2. Then Joseph could not control himself before all who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And right here in these two verses, we get the first decision we have to make if we're ever gonna find forgiveness. If we're ever gonna find forgiveness that we can have, that we can give to other people, if we're we're ever gonna let go of the things that have happened to us, and if we're gonna heal from our own betrayal stories, the first thing we have to do is this, is that when I have been betrayed, I can choose to allow myself to grieve. When I've been betrayed, when you have been betrayed, you can make a choice. You can choose to bottle it up and let that bitterness turn into rage and anger where you seek revenge, or you can start by choosing to allow yourself to grieve. Joseph, in this moment, absolutely broke. He broke. He came face to face with the people who had betrayed him and he broke. He's standing there in the room and he wants the people who worked for him to leave the room. His brothers stay, but he broke. So many times when someone is grieving around us, we want to fix it fast. We want to make them feel better as quickly as possible because other people's grief can make us nervous, especially when it's loud. It's loud so loud that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. I I promise you, this was not a small house. Pharaoh did not have a small house. And Joseph is crying so loud, it says the whole house heard it. But many times when people are grieving around us, again, we wanna fix it, we wanna make it right, but here's the thing. When we are grieving, we must allow ourselves moments where we can grieve and let it out. When those who we know and love are grieving around us, we must give them space to grieve as well. Stephen Arterburn, in his book, Healing is a Choice, says, we must never shame a person who does not or cannot instantly feel the joy that awaits him or her on the other side of pain and agony. If we do, we push people into a place where they walk around with ungrieved losses and unresolved pain, end quote. We must never shame people. We must never shame ourselves when we need one of these moments, when we have been betrayed and we realize what has happened We come to these moments where it comes crashing down on us. Grief is an appropriate response. I want to make four points about grief this morning. The first one is that grief is universal in a broken world. Please hear me here. Grief is universal in a broken world. In the world we live in, the world that is broken, the world that is ravaged by sin, because of that brokenness, grief is rampant. That's why Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 3, 4, there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. On this planet, on this broken planet, there's gonna be times when we weep, there's gonna be times when we laugh. It's just a part of human existence. Just as no one is exempt from betrayal in life, no one is exempt from grief either. It was Granger Westberg who, in his book, Good Grief, Which I've titled this sermon, he wrote these words We must not apologize for our grief, and to bottle it up unnecessarily is to do harm to ourselves. To bottle up our grief unnecessarily actually does us more harm. Again, many times we think if we hold on to unforgiveness that somehow it's going to hurt the other person. That's not how it works. To hold on to unforgiveness always hurts us. And we have to start with the place of grief. So to hold on to or try to bottle up our grief is never gonna do us any good. And as much as we don't like grief or sometimes grief feels awkward or it makes us feel uncomfortable, it's a very important part of the process. It's a part of us working through. It's a part of us healing from the pain we've experienced in life. And just as no one is exempt From betrayal, no one is exempt from grief. Everybody say no one. one. Let's talk to the men in the room for a second. Can I do that? Yeah, I got the microphone. Of course I can. (laughs) Men, a lot of times we try to act like we have it all together. We try to act like we're holding it all together and it all depends on us. But if you do not grieve... For many things in life, but if you don't grieve when you've been betrayed, if you don't allow yourself space to grieve when you have been betrayed, you're gonna turn into the worst version of yourself. Because you're just gonna walk around and take it out on everybody else. Because you do not allow yourself to grieve, to be vulnerable enough with yourself to even admit that you're grieving. Grief is universal in a broken world, and nobody is exempt. It's not a sign of weakness. It is a part of the human experience. You get it? You get it? Point number two, grief can be temporary. Grief can be temporary. Just because grief is universal does not mean it has to be eternal. Grief can be temporary. In fact, God intends for grief to be temporary in our life. The Bible uses poetic language to describe this. A famous verse like Psalm 30 verse 5 that says, Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. You see the images here of night and morning. Weeping may last through those dark moments in your life, the night. But they're not meant to last forever. Because the morning is designed to come up. Light is designed to shine once more. But to get to the morning and all the joy that it brings, we have to go through the night. You have to let yourself embrace those dark moments so that when the sun shines again, you see it and you recognize it and you can receive it. But the night does not last forever and neither should our grief. Psalm 126 verse five and six. Again says, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing. They sing as they return with the harvest. Again, the same idea that yes, we have these dark moments. Yes. Yes, we have these hard moments. Yes, we have these moments where we put seed in the ground and we see nothing. But the morning is coming. The harvest is coming. Verses like this remind us that there are moments when we've been betrayed and we become aware of it, and we think or we do not feel that we will ever get over it. And if you've ever been deeply hurt by somebody, especially on the day when you realize it, you don't see how you could get over it many times. But again, the morning is coming, harvest is coming. And it's not true. You can heal, you can heal. Because grief does not have to last forever. Specifically that kind of paralyzing grief that we experience right after something has happened. I believe that God can bring healing to the hardest situations. I believe that God can bring healing to the biggest betrayals. Is it easy? No. Does it happen as fast as we want it to? No. Is it possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. So grief that comes from betrayals. universal in a broken world. Grief can be temporary, but number three is this, is that grief is an opportunity to be completely honest with God. Grief is an opportunity to be completely honest with God. Being honest with God in the midst of our pain, present pain, or being honest with God about a past pain that we're still carrying around and have not healed from in the present honesty gives us the opportunity to come to a godly conclusion, a godly resolution about our future. When we can be honest with God in the present, that's when God can move in our life, we can reframe our thoughts, God can speak to us directly and give us positive reinforcement about our future, give us hope for the future. We see this over and over throughout scripture. First example is David. Notice David's honesty in Psalm 6 Psalm 6, 2, David says, Have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Help me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. Do you hear the honesty in David right there? He says, I need compassion. I am weak. I need healing. My bones are in agony. But then notice the conclusion that David comes to a few verses later in Psalm 6, 9. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord Will answer my prayer. He goes from I I need compassion. I am weak. I need healing. My bones are in agony. To the Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayer. When David poured his heart out to God in honesty, raw honesty, he came to the conclusion that God has heard me and God will answer me. Therefore, God will bring me through what I'm going through. Or what about Jeremiah? Jeremiah 15 verse 18. Jeremiah says, why then does my suffering continue? Have you ever said that? Why does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? You ever said that? You know what Jeremiah is saying here. He's saying, what's wrong with me? Why can't I heal? Why can't I get over this? Why is my wound, why does it seem to be so incurable? And then he says this, you, your help, God, seems as uncertain as a seasonal brook, like a spring that has gone dry. He says, God, I can't figure out why I can't get over this, why I can't heal from this. And not only that, Lord, it seems like sometimes you hear, sometimes you not. You ever felt that way? Jeremiah pours his heart out here in this moment, a few verses later. Verse 20, 21, God speaks. They will fight against you like an attacking army, but I will make you as secure as a fortified wall of bronze. They will not conquer you, for I am with you to protect and rescue you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Yes, I will certainly keep you safe. See, Jeremiah pours his heart out to God in complete and sheer honesty. God speaks back to him, and what God says to him is, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you are more Valuable than you are vulnerable. Jeremiah never would have heard those words if he did not pour his heart out in honesty to God. You are more valuable than you are vulnerable. It may look bad now, but I will get you through this. Or what about Asaph? We don't talk about him very much. Wrote a lot of the Psalms, worship leader in the temple. He wrote Psalm 82. Psalm 82, verse 2. How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? Have you ever said that? You ever say, God, are you not going to do anything about this mess around me? That's what he's saying. Are you not going to show up and fix this in some way? He pours his heart out in verse two. You go to verse eight, his conclusion. Rise up, O God, and judge the earth for all the nations belong to you. Do you see his resolution? Do you see his conclusion? He goes from blaming God, how long, God? Are you not gonna do anything about this, God? To you know what? He says, God, I trust you with this situation. Number one, you're the judge. And number two, all the nations belong to you. You see, it's not until we get to this place where we pour out our heart with raw honesty before the Lord that we hear the Lord speak, or we arrive at a godly conclusion about the future, or we receive a resolution about the future that gives us hope. We see it over and over throughout Scripture. Joseph did the very same thing. You know, Joseph's prayer life, his devotional life in his story is, is pretty much a private matter. We actually don't get a lot of information about it. He didn't author any psalms, he didn't write any laments. And it seems to be uh, that... There's just not a lot of information about it. But what we see in Joseph's life is this confident resolve that he has that over and over, as as he goes through tragedy after tragedy, he has this trust. He has this belief that's being shaped. And that belief is that God is with him and that God will get him through what he's going through yet again. And what we're gonna see as we go throughout this series is just that. Joseph's resolve, his firm belief in God and what God has done in his past regardless of what others have done to him in his past. And when it comes to us, we have to come to that same place. If you're ever gonna be able to forgive someone, it starts with you allowing yourself to grieve. It starts with you allowing yourself To actually feel the pain of betrayal and then lay it out there before the Lord. You see, the fact that pain and hurt and heartache and even resentment wells up in your heart and mind does not mean you're a bad person. When those memories come back or when you've been betrayed, you've experienced betrayal, and all of that wells up in you, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means something bad happened to you. That's what it means. But when the time comes and you're ready, instead of trying to hide it, be honest about it. Take it to the Lord's feet and lay it there. Have an honest conversation with God about it, whatever it is, and all the messiness of it. Take it to the Lord because that is when we begin the road of healing. I have one more point, and it is this. I've seen this in my life, I've seen it in countless others' lives. Is that yes, our grief is an opportunity to be completely honest with God, but number four, is that allowing yourself to grieve with others forges life-giving and healthy outcomes. Notice I said life-giving and healthy outcomes. Sometimes we say we want to grieve with others and we just want event session. Right? We just want a gossip circle, I mean, prayer circle. Sorry, forgot what those are called, you know. Right? No, I'm talking about healthy outcomes in your life. You see, God really likes things done in threes. God is a community that exists in three Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? And whenever I'm going through a betrayal and I'm feeling the grief of betrayal, yes, God is directly involved in my life, but God's presence is with me, but he also overwhelms me with his presence through other people. That's where God's presence is multiplied in our lives. And you know, there's a huge difference, a huge difference between needing a little space and shutting people out of your life. Those are two different things. And many times what we say is, well, I just need a little space, or this is my personality, or I like to process things a different way. And what it really means is we're just shutting other people out of our lives. We do not need to shut people out who God has placed in. We do not need to shut the people that God has placed in our life out of our life. If you look at Joseph's story, throughout this story, there are two people he wanted to be around more than anybody else. One was his dad, and the other was his brother. Jacob and Benjamin neither one of them had anything to do with the betrayal he experienced from his other brothers and he wants to know how they are he wants to know where they are and he wants to see them as you can continue to read in chapter 45 these two again there's a difference between shutting people out and needing a little space don't shut people out Because the people who God has placed in your life, they are healing agents. God has strategically placed them there for that reason. And one day they're gonna need you. They're gonna need you. As we close this part, we're about to go into communion. And I want you to hear me. Please hear me. Everybody, look right here for a second. Please hear me. I wanna leave you with one thought. One thought. And that thought is that Please, please, please do not beat yourself up for feeling bad because something bad happened to you, because you experienced something bad in life. If you didn't feel bad, then you'd be a robot. Matter of fact, you're made alive in Christ. Did you know that? You're made alive in Christ, which means you can feel more deeply, and love in great ways. But it also means that you feel pain deeply as well. So don't beat yourself up for feeling bad because something bad happened to you. Instead, embrace that grief and then take it before the Lord and lay at his feet. Now, I want to tell you why you can do that. You can take any grief that you're experiencing, any pain that you're experiencing, any hurt that you're experiencing, and you can take them to Jesus because he understands. He understands. Jesus understands what it's like to be rejected. Jesus understands what it's like for someone to make a promise to him and then not keep it. And he understands that on a global and cosmic level because we've all done it to him. He understands. And I think there's no better way to start this series than to have communion. And as we have communion, as we receive the body and the blood of Christ once more, I want want to ask you to please come to him in your honesty. And listen, you may not need this sermon right now. You will one day. So I hope you take good notes. But some of you do. Some of you are in that place or you've been betrayed and you just don't know how to handle it, and I want to say start by allowing yourself time to grieve, to come to grips with the reality that, yes, you have been betrayed. And don't feel bad about that. Don't feel bad because something bad happened to you. But now come to the one who understands, whose body was broken, whose blood was shed. He understands. Lay it at his feet. Talk with him about it. And see how he gives you a conclusion or a resolution about your future and about the hope that he offers. So that's what I want us to prepare our hearts to do. Would you pray with me? Father, I come in this moment so thankful because as we sit here today, whether in this room or we're watching, or we have a God who understands, all the pain, all the betrayal, all the hurt, you understand. So Lord, would you help us in grief, have honesty, and in your presence, have a conversation, and in the receiving of your body and blood, Have hope this morning, right now, in Jesus' name, amen.